Let us turn this morning in God's Word to Titus chapter 1. Titus 1. Titus 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word, May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider for this New Year's End installation sermon this morning is verses 9 through 11, focusing especially on verse 9, which we read now, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the book of Titus is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul as a form of instruction unto Titus. 
The Apostle Paul at this point was a mature Christian, a seasoned pastor, evangelist, apostle. But Titus, in comparison, was a younger man in the gospel ministry. Evidently, there was a very close relationship between the Apostle Paul and Titus. For the Apostle Paul in this chapter refers to Titus as my own son. He knew Titus well, and he had left Titus behind in the city of Crete. It was his duty in Crete to, according to Paul, to set in order the things that are wanting. Evidently, there was something that was deficient in Crete, and that deficiency needed to be addressed. And the way that that deficiency would be addressed was not by having Titus himself as the local pastor or missionary assume all of the responsibility of addressing that which is wanting, but rather it was Titus's duty to ordain elders in every city, bishops, that these elders might set in order that which was lacking. It is then in the context of telling Titus that Titus must ordain elders in the cities that then the apostle goes on to give the qualifications of these bishops. Verse 7, the bishop must be blameless, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, but, verse 8, a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. Then the ninth verse, holding fast the word the faithful word, as he hath been taught. We look especially at those words this morning, holding fast the faithful word, using that as our theme. First, we will consider what is the duty, what's the command that's given us here in this verse, not just to office bearers, but to all of us. As we look ahead to 2024, holding fast the word, Second, we'll consider what is the purpose for holding fast the word. And then third, the manner. Holding fast the word, the duty, the purpose, the manner. For us to understand the duty that God gives unto us in this text, we must know something about this faithful word. That's what we are to hold fast to is this faithful word. The word, you understand, is the revelation of God unto his people. God is not pleased to hide himself from his people. He does not withdraw from his people. But God is pleased to make himself known unto even dust creatures. God condescends to this earth. And God presents himself unto his people through the word. The faithful word that is spoken of in this text is not put in the plural. It's not that we are to hold to the faithful words, but it is singular. There is one 
word that you are to hold fast unto. The children know who is the faithful word. The word is Christ. Christ is the revelation of God by which God is known to his people. Christ is the word of God by which the heavens and the earth were created. Christ is the one who, although he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he came down to this earth, took upon himself the form of a servant, and revealed God unto his people. This word, according to the text, is the faithful word. Holding fast the faithful word. That the word of God is faithful means, beloved, that the word accomplishes the purpose that God gives unto it to perform. Just like a soldier who is faithful in his station, that faithful soldier is the one who accomplishes the mission, carries out the mission that has been given unto him. So it is that the word of God is faithful. It accomplishes the mission, the purpose that God has given unto it. And as the word is then Jesus Christ, Jesus is faithful. For Jesus carried out the work that God gave unto him to do. And then as the word is contained here in the Holy Scriptures, this word is powerful, powerful to carry out the purpose the two-edged sword. But then as well, it's faithful because the Word doesn't change. How different the Bible is from anything else upon this earth. Things of this earth come and then things of this earth expire and become old and they're replaced with new things. Hardly finished unwrapping Christmas presents, and already one is looking forward to the next thing that he's going to get in his life. Everything on this earth is dispensable, replaceable, but the Word is faithful. It abides from one generation to the next, from one year to the next year. The faithful word. And then as well, the word of God is faithful in that it it doesn't need to adapt to the present circumstances. The word of God never changes. The word of God was applicable unto the saints of old. The word of God was sufficient for Abraham as God came to Abraham and told Abraham to go out into a dif different nation that he would have to receive for an inheritance. And Abraham trusted that word, and that word brought him unto that promised land. And just as that word was sufficient for Abraham, so that unchanging word is sufficient for God's people even to this present day. 
with regard to this word, the command is hold fast. Office bearers, bishops, hold fast unto this word. To hold fast means to grab tightly onto that word, to clutch that word, and then to refuse to let go of that word. That's what the young child does, is that young child reaches for that toy. The child is possessive of that toy. The child is not going to be easily convinced that the other sibling needs that toy. If the other sibling comes and tries to take that toy away from that child, the child clutches with all the more energy and all the more strength until veins pop out in the neck of that child as the child clutches that toy. There's a certain persistence and stubbornness even in holding on to that toy. So it ought to be for us, except we are not holding to transient possessions and toys, but we are clutching, holding on to the faithful word of God. Cling unto this word. Be persistent in clinging to that word. And if somebody comes and tries to take that word away from you and tell you that this will be better for you, this will be a better balm for you, this will be better at helping you, you don't need that word. After all, man has advanced beyond this outdated book. Here is something progressive. Here is something new that can displace that word. Then I plead of you, according to this text, cling all the more tightly unto that faithful word. Hold it. Whose duty is it to hold fast? This faithful word, generally it is the duty of every child of God. It is your duty and my duty to hold fast to this word. You are able to hold fast to the word because you have been anointed into the office of all believers. You have been given the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. The same Spirit who inspired the faithful word, who ensured that every word that was written down was the word of God and God only, is given you. As you have this Holy Spirit, you are qualified to read to understand, to believe the Word. Cling to it in 2024. But more specifically, whose duty is it to hold fast the Word? The specific specific application of this text and on this occasion of installation is to the office bearers. Hold fast this word. Stanza, or verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders 
in every city as I had appointed thee. This is the elder's duty to hold fast the word. One might say, but is not that the minister's duty to be the one who holds fast the word? After all, he is the one whose life duty is to study and then proclaim the mysteries that are contained in the word of God. And yes, that is true. But in this verse, Paul is speaking specifically about the duties of the ruling elder. Later on in chapter 2, verse 1, then he turns his attention unto Titus, the pastor. 2, verse 1, but speak thou. There's a distinction, but, but you, Titus, you speak the things which become sound doctrine. There he addresses the pastor. But earlier in this book, in the first chapter, he is addressing the elder. The form of installation, which we just read, confirms as well, states as well, that it is the duty of the ruling elder to hold fast to the word. Quote, the elders are in duty bound diligently to search the word of God and continually be meditating on the mysteries of faith. Hold it. How do you hold it? Read it. Came across a word the other day in personal reading where one is convinced that many in modern America are illiterate, different than illiterate. Illiterate means you cannot read. Alliterate means you can read, but you choose not to read. Let us not be alliterate, but let us be literate in the Holy Scriptures. Read the Word of God. How do we hold fast? The Word of God, not only read, but also meditate upon the Word of God. Let the Word of God sink into your soul. Consider what is the meaning of the Word of God. Consider what is the application of the Word of God in your life. How do you hold fast, cling to this word, read it, meditate upon it, memorize the word of God? I realize that memorization is not emphasized as much in today's day and age as what it was in prior generations. In part, less emphasis put on upon it because we have access to so much information online. So why memorize anything if you can simply turn to Google for the answer? And yet the Scriptures speak of the importance of memorization, especially of God's Word. Memorize it for your own benefit. Psalm 119, verse 11 Thy word have I hid in my heart 
that I might not sin against thee. Memorize this word of God so that you have an answer unto those who object unto the word of the Lord. Read, meditate, memorize. This means, beloved, that you're going to have to be selective in what you choose to do with your time. One might object to this and say, I'm too busy to hold to the word in that sort of way. I've got so many responsibilities in my life after all. How can I take the time to read and then to meditate and then to memorize the word of God? I've got this and this and this that weighs down upon me. And then this is going to be added to my already busy and hectic schedule. It is going to require, beloved, that you prioritize this. How important is it to you to hold fast to the Word of God? Holding fast to the faithful Word of God means that you might have to let go of something else in your life. It means that you might not have time to pursue a hobby or something of personal interest in your life. But above all, cling. Hold fast to that word. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Why? What is the purpose in holding fast the faithful word? The text lists out two reasons why. He may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. We begin with the second one, convincing the gainsayers. Gainsayers, not a word that we commonly use, means contradictors. Those who are contradictory. They contradict the church. They contradict the elders. They contradict the word. They contradict Jesus. Contradictors are those who deny some aspect of the teachings of the word of God. Or contradictors are those who by their lifestyle show that they do not submit to the authority of God's Word. There is a blemish in their lifestyle. They do not live a holy and an upright life unto God, but they continue walking impenitently in sin. They are adversaries of the church. And regrettably, according to this text, these gainsayers, these contradictors, exert a certain influence they exert an influence, an evil influence, even upon the other members of the church of God. Verse 10, 
For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. So we're not talking here about those outside of the church. Those would be the uncircumcised. We all acknowledge that those who do not belong to the church of Jesus Christ contradict the word of God. Paul's concern here as he writes to Titus is not about those outside of the church, but those who are of the circumcision. Those who belong unto the church as she is instituted upon this earth. There are unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Why? Who subvert whole houses teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. This is what the contradictor does. He invites people into his house, and in his house he talks about how righteous his cause is. He talks about how he is being hurt, how he is being dealt an unfair hand, And he tries to influence, to win over other houses to stand with him. He spreads his evil influence from one house to the next. And the word of God with regard to that contradictor is stop their mouths. And here's how you stop their mouths. By convincing them to convince the gainsayers. Convince means refuted. They must be shown where they are wrong, according to the word of God, must be given instruction, patient but firm instruction from the word of God, showing unto them this is where you have deviated from the faithful word of God. The goal of the office bearer in laboring with the gainsayer is conviction. You want to convince them. The goal of the office bearer in laboring with the gainsayer is not to drive the gainsayer away. The goal in laboring with the gainsayer is not to use the word as a whip to the gainsayer, but the goal is that there might be humility of heart, softening confession, and reconciliation in the church. Again, quoting the form of installation, to admonish those who behave themselves disorderly and to prevent as much as possible the sacraments from being profaned. Also to act according to Christian discipline against the impenitent and to receive the penitent again into the bosom of the church. On the one hand, the duty or the purpose of holding fast the word is to convince the gainsayers. On the other hand, it is that by sound doctrine, one might 
exhort. The word exhort is a beautiful and rich term. It means to come alongside of someone, to encourage them, and to comfort them. That likewise is the duty of all believers as we go through our earthly pilgrimage together. Let us hold fast to the word of God that we might come alongside of those who are suffering and exhort them, encourage them in their earthly pilgrimage. But that now, as it specifically is applied in this verse, is the duty of elders. Not only have the duty to rule over the church of Jesus Christ and to ward off false doctrines and heresies in the church, but they also have the duty to come alongside of, to listen unto, to understand, and to encourage the people of God. The deacons as well must develop their sensitivity to the needs of God's people, must be able to hear the cries of those who are hurting, of those who are desperate for help, and then respond as a gentle and compassionate office bearer unto those in their hour of need. Exhort one another by pointing one another unto Jesus, who is the faithful word. Exhort them by summoning them to come into God's house. That can be a temptation for those who are hurting. Is to neglect the means of grace. Exhort them to gather where heavenly meat and drink is prepared for them so that their souls might be nourished. Exhort them, elders, by overseeing the preaching of the word so that when the members come unto church, they might be confident that the words which are spoken are the words of Jesus Christ and of him crucified. Exhort one another to come unto church by leading with your own example in diligently frequenting the house of God. Exhort. Both the work of exhortation and convincing the gainsayers are done by sound doctrine. He may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince. This, beloved, is the remarkable power of the Word of God. It accomplishes both tasks perfectly. On the one hand, it convinces the gainsayers. It refutes the contradictors. But on the other hand, the Word of God is the balm of Gilead, which comforts and which encourages the downcast soul. The Word of God is a two-edged sword. It has the power to edify, and it has the power to break down. It has the power to soften hard hearts, and it has the power as well to close the door of the unregenerate man's heart. It builds up the meek and the lowly, and it brings down the proud and the lofty. The Word of God is a savor of life unto life, and the Word of God also is a savor of death unto death. 
The office bearer must always maintain that perspective as he goes about his labors. There is power in the word. By sound doctrine, I will both exhort those who need comforting, and by sound doctrine as well, I will convince the gainsayers. And yet not I, but the Holy Spirit who gives that word has the power of exhortation and of convincing. The office bearer must never stoop to use something below or beneath the word of God. God has given unto you this almighty power, this power that has endured for millennia, this power which has been the salvation of God's people for thousands of years. Why would you even consider using something besides the powerful, efficacious word of God? By sound doctrine, exhort and convince. You could otherwise translate it, maybe able in sound doctrine to exhort and convince, changing the preposition by to in. It's as if sound doctrine is a house with four walls built on a solid foundation with a roof over top of it. The goal in ministering unto the saints of God is that they would, by that word, be brought into the safety, the protection of that home, which is sound doctrine. Lead them into the green pastures of God's Word. The manner in which we are to hold fast the faithful Word is given to us in the second phrase of verse 9. Holding fast the faithful Word as He hath been taught. That's how you hold fast the word as every one of you has been taught. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. You've already been taught the faithful word of God. For many of you, you were born into a Christian home had a God-fearing father and a God-fearing mother. Your mother took you upon your lap from your youngest days and taught you the Word of God. You had God-fearing grandparents who by their example showed you how to be patient in adversity, how to hold fast to the Word of God in all seasons of life. You've been taught in the preaching of the Word of God. You've been catechized. You've continued to be instructed in your own personal devotions over the years. As you have been taught for so many years now, now continue holding fast the Word of God. God. 
just as others have with patience and with meekness and humility come alongside of you and exhorted you in the word of God, so now it is your duty and privilege to come alongside of others and exhort them with gentleness, with love, and with patience. May God give you the confidence that you will be able to do this. The text speaks of that ability, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able. And that word translated as able means powerful. That you may be powerful by sound doctrine to exhort and convince. You will never be powerful of yourself. I will never be powerful of myself. The office bearer recognizes this as he labors under the reality of his own weaknesses, his own sins, infirmities, his own limitations in body and in mind. You will be powerful, not in yourself, but your power is in the Word. Hold fast the faithful Word. And that Word is Jesus Christ. Behold His power as he both exhorted those who needed comforting words and as he refuted those who were adversaries. Behold his power as he laid down his life at Calvary in order that he might stop the mouth of the great adversary which is the devil. Behold his power as he pours out upon the New Testament church his own spirit. And as his spirit finds entrance into your heart and gives you a new heart, a soft and a fleshy heart. May that be your confidence as you face this year ahead. That you will be able, not by your own strength, but by sound doctrine to exhort and to convince. You do not know what will come unto you in this year ahead. You do not know what trials, what hardships, nor do you know what blessings there will be in the year ahead. But this we do know. The Word of God abides. Hold fast to that faithful word. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Jesus Christ, who is ascended up on high, and who gives unto the church gifts of office bearers. Wilt Thou grant unto the men who 
swore an oath publicly in this morning, strength and confidence. May they know that thou wilt be with them and that thou wilt uphold them. Wilt thou keep us as a congregation, stir up in our hearts an earnest desire to hold fast to the faithful and living word, which is Jesus Christ, in whose name alone we pray. Amen.